listening to The Philip Jordan Show. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to The Philip Jordan Show on this Friday, January 12th. And I am your host, Philip Jordan, in studio host and producer of Dustin Woods Football on 96.9 The Legend, and also the Auburn writer for Last Word on college football. What the last few days we have had pertaining to coaches. Of course, we're here in Dothan, we're here in Alabama. The biggest news we're all talking about the retirement of Nick Saban. Probably a lot of us never thought we would hear those. We knew it. We just didn't think we would. It is, it's happened. Nick Saban has retired. Uh, he talked to ESPN's Reese Davis on Thursday, said a lot of things, a lot of interesting things. And we're going to dissect that today. The original plan, y'all heard me talk early in the week, Monday's show and on Wednesday's show, that uh, I was going to do a big AFC, NFC, First round NFL playoff preview show here on Friday. We're still going to do that. Matt Barbado from Fancy Pros and Betting Pros will be on with me in just a little bit to preview. That's the second half of the show. But Nick Saban retiring. I knew I had to bring somebody on to discuss that, to talk about the retirement of Nick Saban. And a guy I've had on a lot recently talking all things Alabama football, AJ Spur from Roll Tide Wire. He will be on in just a few moments. We're going to go into the how it all happened, the timing. Nick Saban's still going to be around the program. If you checked out anything on Thursday, that's a big part of that. Uh, health seemed to be a big part of the decision-making. Not that Nick Saban is sick or ill, just, just at 72 years old. 14-hour days are tough, and he just cannot give what he used to give to the team. So he is retiring, and I think a lot of that has to do with transfer portal NIL. Just a lot more is on college coaches now than they used to be, and uh, and we've heard Nick Saban talk multiple times. Is this what we want college football to be? So you got that on the show. You got Matt Barbeta. We'll get through all six wild card games this week. So this is a much longer show than what you're normally used to. Used to about thirty, maybe forty minutes. We're going a solid hour here now. If you're just listening to the open and you're like, man, Phil, I don't know if I can hang an hour. I will post these individual interviews up to as well on YouTube and here on the feed uh, later on in the day individually. So if you just want to check those out individually there. But if you want to listen to this whole show, which I really hope you will, um, we'll have that as well. So a lot, a lot of stuff to get to here on the show. I'll take a little 20 second break, let you guys hear how you can find the show. And then, A.J. Spur would join me for Roll Tide Wire on the phone uh, to discuss the retirement of Nick Saban. You can check out the Philip Jordan Show podcast over at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. Leave a review, and I will read it on a future edition of the show. And if you leave just four stars, you are just a straight-up hater. You can email me at sports.philipjordan at gmail.com. Joining me on the show first today, coming in last minute, uh, very appreciative of this AJ Spur. You can check him out over at the Roll Tide Wire. Of course, we, we have got to discuss Nick Saban retiring on Wednesday, announcing that retirement, shocking everybody. I'm sure it shocked this guy on the other end of the line. And uh, joining me on the phone, like I said, is AJ Spur, Roll Tide Wire. And AJ, I appreciate you uh, you coming on on short notice and just wow. Uh, you always knew this was going to happen eventually, but still, the news was still stunning on Wednesday. You know what? You're right. This was one of those things, and, and I was thinking to myself just a couple weeks ago as the season was coming to an end, when is it going to happen? You know, how will everybody react? What will, you know, the, the Roll Tide Wire site, you know, what would it be like? You know, what, what's going to be the atmosphere in Tuscaloosa? There's so many questions that I had running through my mind. And now that it's happened, none of them were really answered, but even then, none of them are, are that important at this point. I, I think as soon as everybody heard the news, it wasn't a, you know, 
flow of questions that needed to be answered as much as it was just a realization that, whoa, you know, this inevitable day that we all knew would come finally came. So what now? You know, so it's it's interesting to see how everything's working in Tuscaloosa and behind the scenes, um, especially how you and I had talked off air about different programs having different you know, types of coaching searches and how the fans react. So this is uncharted territory for most Alabama fans. Well, not most, but many Alabama fans. So it's just interesting to see how everything here is, uh, is shaping out, and we could even have an answer very, very soon. Yes, let's hope not before this podcast goes up. Let's hope at least uh, they could uh, uh, hold off on that. Just help me out a little <laughs> bit on that. Yeah, you see, you know, and look, I'm 37, so I remember pre-saping. But they, like you said, there's a lot of fans out there, the younger fans, like that first generation of Alabama fans that just come, they only know Nick Saban as the head coach. Kind of very similar how there was a big bulk of the fan base that only knew Bear Bryant way back in the day. But, you know, Older fans or people around my age do remember the Mike Shuler years, the the Mike Price debacle, Dennis French only two years, Mike Dubose. You know, uh, Gene Stallings was kind of like that gap between you know the Bear. They had some hiccups there too as well. But it is one of them interesting things for, like you said, a lot of Alabama fans. This is on uncharted territory because all they've known is Nick Saban. And, you know, there's that and the fact that for Alabama, this is the first time there's there's been a coaching search in the era of social media. Mm-hmm. So while Alabama fans have had the privilege uh, over the last 17 years to kind of sit back and watch other fan bases squirm around, you know, looking under every rock, you know, nothing going unturned when it comes to trying to find an answer. Uh, the flight tracker people, who I absolutely love, by the way. Um, you know, for Alabama, with one of the biggest fan bases in all of college football, this has taken over, at least for me, I don't know about you, Philip, my social media is nothing but Nick Saban and or who replaces Nick Saban. So this is just wild to see. Yeah, I mean, I've had people I know that are Alabama fans have called me uh, a lot asking what I think because people know, yeah, I'm the, I'm an Auburn writer, but I keep up with pretty much a lot of this football stuff, college, high school, pro, whatever, you know, intrigues me. And it is kind of wild. It's taking up a lot of my time scrolling on X and Facebook and all other stuff, just kind of wanting to see who the next guy was going to be. And, you know, we can jump into that too as well. Interesting names that popped up. I mean, it seemed like Dan Lanning was the, was the first name everybody was really jumping on it. it speculation with him mm-hmm. i know there was obviously a, a false report that he was in tuscaloosa uh <laughs> yesterday and today i'm like well that's, that's that's really quick working but hey look as a guy that covers auburn i know how these things go i know you have to be patient it's one of the things you can't yep. get too excited you, you just gotta wait you know, wait for the athletic rate or wait for the official announcement um but you know actually let's backtrack let's not go into the candidates quite yet just the timing of it mm-hmm. all uh you see yeah. reports that Nick Saban, he was still working, interviewing receiver uh, coaches, potentially. Uh, he was at, at a teleconference, you know, SEC coaches, all that stuff. And then mm-hmm. we see the news break. What was your opinions on just kind of like the timing of it all? So at first, seeing the report that he had shown up to work just as every other day, uh, you know, was on the teleconference, was conducting interviews, and that, he announced it at a pre-planned, you know, already existing meeting that was there for him to address the team on the, what I believe is the first day of classes on campus in Tuscaloosa. So to me at first, it was a shock. It was a, this was an abrupt, you know, spur of the moment thing where Nick Saban realized, you know what, it's time to just hang it up and, and go out right now, which albeit, feels very Nick Saban-esque when you think about, you know, he doesn't want this, you know, big tour, anything grandiose. He just said, you know, I'm not feeling it anymore. We'll go ahead and just pack it up and and call it a day. After, you know, having roughly 24 hours now to think it over and reading and hearing some of what he's had to say himself on, you know, the whole situation, Philip, what I've gathered is that over this past season, 
he somewhere along the line made the decision that this was probably going to be it for him. And he, he cited, you know, his age, possible health concerns. Um, and just the fact that, you know, Nick Saban is a person, he enjoys life and he, and he said it himself. These are 14 hour long work days that he can no longer keep up with, you know, and he only wants to do things if he's going to be the absolute best at it. And, being the head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide at this point, if you're not able to put in a hundred percent, you know, 24 seven, then you're not going to be able to maintain, you know, being the best program in all of college football, which leads me to believe that this decision was made a while ago. He carried it over into the playoffs. He held on to it until the ending of, you know, the season with the national championship coming to a close. And he probably only told family and what I would assume to be, or who I would assume to be Greg Byrne, because I know a lot of people thought, well, they got to have contingency plans in place. You know, they would just immediately pass the torch the second he retires. Well, a lot of people have to think everybody's got a mouth. Philip. people mm-hmm. love to talk. You know, if, if they were to have reached out to, you know, whoever's on their short list of candidates and said, Hey, this is going to be it for Nick. We're going to, we're going to go ahead and, and move ahead and interview a couple people. We're interested in you. That, that would spread like absolute wildfire. Now you have Nick Saban news about retiring in the middle of the 2023 season. You have the recruiting trail falling apart on Alabama. And, and just fans in general would be losing their minds uh, for the remainder of the season. I don't think that they told agents. I don't think anybody knew except for the, the only people that needed to know. And as far as that contingency plan goes for the next coach, I, I think all they have is or was a short list of, of coaches that maybe Greg Byrne and or Nick Saban compiled. And, and they're just, you know, going down the list now. And the 72-hour thing that everybody's been seeing in reports uh, that Alabama would have a new head coach hired and named within 72 hours of Nick Saban retiring, or already 24 hours, a little bit over that at this point of recording. And, you know, nobody's been named, but 48 hours remain, and Alabama has the power and the money to get whoever it is that they want and assuming that person is willing to leave, which is why I think that 72 hours may seem a bit ambitious to a lot of people, but I know that Saban, Byrne, and the rest of the, uh, the administration at the Alabama Department of Athletics, they're comfortable knowing, you know, somebody on that list is going to say yes, and they'll be able to get them, no matter the price, no matter the buyout, no matter what it takes. They'll get somebody that they want. They will not settle. You know, and we're talking about timing and obviously the 14 hour days and look, it's, it's even more of a grind being a college football coach now without NIL transfer portal and all that other stuff. Do you think maybe that also had a factor in this uh, with him retiring? Because, you know, he has, he has not come out and ever said he's against those things. And I don't think he is, but he has also, I don't know how many times AJ I've heard Nick Saban say this, is this what we <laughs> want college football to be? He has said that multiple times. Do you think that had a factor? I think it would be silly to assume or infer that it wasn't a factor in in determining, you know, whether or not Nick Saban was going to retire. We have to be honest here, though he didn't, like you just said, come out and say that he hated these things and didn't want them to be a part of the game. He warned college football of the dangers of those things. And we also got to remember, being a head coach of a college football program is not just, you know, coaching the players. You are the general manager of, you know, this collegiate program. And when you're at Alabama, you know, the the power and the the standard that comes with that includes being a, a general manager of massive proportions, working the transfer portal, working the recruiting trail, figuring out NIL just in general, how it works. I mean, Alabama's going after the biggest and best recruits there are every single year. And with NIL now, they're learning how to, you know, play the system, get their money, which good for them. That's what they're supposed to be doing, I guess, in, in a name, image, and likeness era of college football. 
But I think for Nick Saban, it didn't push him out. I don't think it ran him out. But I do think that the transfer portal and NIL expedited that process purely because of the amount of, of energy that it would require for him to maintain, you know, excellence on the recruiting trail and the portal while also figuring out and dealing with NIL. So I do think that it played a role. I don't think it pushed him. I don't think it forced him out. Uh, but it would be it would be silly to not say that it had a hand in his retirement here. You know, and lastly, before we get into who could be the potential replacement for Nick Saban, and those are words I never thought I would say behind a microphone. It just, you know, feel like that they would ever get here, but it's here. <laughs> so, obviously, on Thursday, and everybody listening, we're recording this Thursday evening, almost at 6 o'clock when we hit record button. And just looking at some stuff he said, that he is still going to be around, still involved with the university. He's still going to be there in Tuscaloosa. Uh, he'll be there for players, and, and, and he's still working. I mean, the man just doesn't know how to how to quit. Now, I look <laughs> at that. I, I might be a little devil's advocate here. I look at that. Could that be a positive or negative? I think it could be both. Him, him there is awesome. It's great. It could be a real sounding board for the next coach coming in, particularly a younger coach. And also just, you know, kind of ease things, too, around the fan base, around the program. But also at the same time, could that be a problem with the coach who's coming in if he's not connected to Saban, over, looking over his shoulder? I only say all that just because as a guy, as, again, everybody knows I cover Auburn for last one college football. Pat, I, two different situations, I know. But Pat Dye had a shadow over the Auburn program because he was there. He had an office, blah, blah, blah. What is your feeling on that, Nick Saban still being involved with the program after retirement? I think that the cons, if we're just weighing pros and cons here, I think that the cons are very easy to see, mm -hmm. or the possible cons, that is. Um, you know, you have a, a coach who everybody that's being considered is pretty young, right? So yeah. you have what would be a young coach overseeing this behemoth of a program with the guy whose shoes you are filling, you know, possibly breathing down your neck, you know, critiquing everything you do. And with Nick Saban, you know, a lot of people consider him synonymous with perfection or as close to it as you could possibly get when it comes to college football. If you do not match that or come close to it, you know, people are going to be calling for your job. People are going to, you know, ask why, Saban isn't there. There's going to be people also claiming whoever is in charge that they are just a puppet for Nick Saban to use so that he doesn't have to be, you know, as hands on as he would have been should he still be the head coach. You know, there, there's going to be negatives no matter how you look at it. That being said, I think that the positives outweigh those cons. Uh, I mentioned it on social media that having Nick Saban still be active with the program and even involved now in an administrative role, this is going to benefit Alabama greatly on the recruiting trail and the transfer portal because now not only do you still have Nick Saban there able to speak to, able to mentor, mentor able to work out with these players and practice, you know, be there on the practice field, um, you're also going to have a head coach who if it's any one of the names that I'm sure we'll discuss here in a second, you know, having that coach plus Nick Saban present, I mean, if Nick Saban alone was enough, you know, this is just making the deal even sweeter for any recruit that's considering Alabama. And not just that, Philip, but I really do think that this may, and I'm probably going to wish I hadn't said this, this may give us some insight as to who is, you know, strongly being considered for the job because if we're looking at Mike Norvell versus Steve Sarkeesian, and I'm not giving any predictions right now, I would say, you know, which one of those two has a history with Nick Saban? Which one of those two would be most comfortable with Nick Saban on the field while they're taking over as head coach? To me, that's a simple answer. Now, I don't think that this is going to tell us who is the coach, especially between those two. Um, but I really do think that if you have a former, you know, Alabama coordinator, uh, assistant, something, somebody 
that was a part of the Nick Saban coaching tree, I think that this would make the transition as seamless as possible with Saban actually being there. You know, and you mentioned to his name, Mike Norville, which, look, I don't mean this as a joke. I'm actually being serious. I think if he became the next Alabama head coach, Florida State fans would go scorched earth because, one, they blame Alabama for not being in the playoffs <laughs> and now take away their head coach. I just I, – I, I would have to seriously pray for the people down in Tallahassee if that happened. Um, I've always felt like, and I saw Greg McElroy said that there's – Pretty much zero chance this happened. I've always felt like Lane Kiffin would be the perfect guy just because Lane Kiffin does not care. I feel like Lane Kiffin would want that job more than Alabama would want him to. So that's also my opinion. But another one that's been out there, Kalen DeBoer. Uh, when you look at some, a lot of these names have been mentioned. Even Dabo Sweeney. No, he's not connected to Nick Saban, but he went, he played at Alabama. So there's that connection there. Dan Lanning, even though we can cross his name off. The Kirby connection, the Saban connection, that's there. We, again, we talk about Lane Kiffin, the Sarkeesian, former office coordinators. Uh, Kalen DeBoer, what's kind of like your thoughts on his name being on that list or what people are floating out there as potential candidates to replace Nick Saban? Look, Kalen DeBoer is a, an excellent coach. I think that he has done wonders in his short time with Washington. He, he led them to you know, the playoffs. He's led them now to a national title appearance. Uh, I, I don't think that DeBoer would be the worst candidate out of everybody that, you know, we've really seen named. However, I'm not convinced DeBoer, despite how often we've seen his name thrown around here, especially today, uh, Thursday, that is, um, I, I just, I find it a hard time, or I, ugh, I have a hard time believing that Alabama's first choice to follow Nick Saban would be a coach two years removed from the group of five whose two years as a power five head coach hasn't really produced any impressive recruiting classes and somebody who's coming down now all the way from the Pacific Northwest. You know, I, I would, I'm not saying that all of these criteria have to be met, Philip, but it just seems to me like, He's a great coach that has created a winning culture at Washington. I just don't know if that's going to directly translate into what Alabama needs in a head coach. We're talking about some of the best recruiters in the country being in the SEC, and now even more so with Oklahoma and Texas mm -hmm. joining the conference. You know, somebody, whoever, whoever is at the helm for Alabama – has to be somebody who cannot just recruit well, but can out-recruit some of the best top-tier recruiters in all the land. And as things stand with DeBoer, I do not believe he is you know, able to do that at this point. I don't think that he's wholly incapable of doing it. I'm just saying currently and especially considering the other candidates that have been named, DeBoer would not be my first choice to fill the Nick Saban head coaching vacancy at Alabama. Well, and, and too, and see his name, Ed. Yeah, I know Mike Norvell didn't have any – doesn't have a connection to Nick Saban either, but still he's in the southeast. And, look, Florida State recruits like a, a really like an SEC team. So that wouldn't be much of a – just from a culture, going for Florida State, Alabama wouldn't be as – it's tough. But, yeah, with Kalen DeBoer coming from Washington, Alabama, no connection to the SEC, that, that would be a tough situation. But uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Perhaps uh, through the weekend we'll know who the next Alabama head coach. I'm still going to say, please, Alabama, do not name a coach until this podcast is out um, <laughs> on Friday morning. That would be a, that would be very beneficial to me. But, anyways, AJ, I appreciate you coming on here. I told you 10, 15 minutes. We've gone 20. Uh, I feel like we could probably go another 20 on this conversation. But, uh, anyways, I appreciate you jumping on last minute, as I said in the when I introduced you there. But, man, if uh, anybody out there wanted to follow you online, uh, the listeners and viewers – Obviously, the coverage at Roll Tide Wire for the search for the next head coach, Alabama. Uh, where can they find you, and where can they find the website? Well, they can go ahead and find the website, which is covering all things Alabama football, Nick Saban's retirement, and uh, the eventual Nick Saban replacement uh, at RollTideWire.usatoday.com. And they can check me out on social media uh, on X at SpurFM, S-P-U-R-R-F-M, like the radio dial. 
All right, sounds good, AJ. I'm sure we'll have another conversation uh, in the weeks to come. Just I have a feeling. Uh, but anyways, I appreciate you coming on the show, and I look forward to talking to you again sometime down the road. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. All right. And, of course, that was my conversation with uh, AJ Spur over at Roll Tide Wire. So, of all the candidates, and look, recording this on Thursday night, uh, let's hope by the, the Friday uh, we uh, do not have a uh, new coach yet. But Sarkeesian's name has been mentioned. Now, I'm just going to say this as a guy that covers the conference, enjoys the conference. I kind of hope Sarkeesian stays there at Texas. I do. Um, but I do believe, too, if for, if Sarkeesian left Texas to go to Alabama, um, I think Arch Manning goes with him. I do. I really, really do. And then there's a whole new conversation with Jayla Milrow. That's saying it. I mean, this is a, this is going to be interesting because it's a there's a third day period where when Nick Saban announced retirement, Alabama players can enter the portal, and then Alabama's going to go hire a guy that's got head coaching experience. So that's cool. That that cycle starts with them. It's going to be an endless cycle basically until a coordinator gets hired uh, one of these teams. So it's going to be interesting. I, I know. Dabo Sweeney's names have mentioned, uh, which Greg McElroy said on Thursday that him and Lane Kiffin, zero chance. I don't know. Well, I don't know if zero is the right thing. Slim chance, maybe. But I would touch Dabo just because of his um, unwanting to touch the transfer portal and NIL stuff. So I think, I think the college game may be potentially passing Dabo Sweeney by if he doesn't change and kind of just accept what is right now. So it is. Uh, it's gonna be interesting, and um, we'll have more on Monday, I'm sure, on the Alabama coaching search. Perhaps, maybe there'll be a new coach to talk about. So we are going to now switch gears. We're going to jump into the National Football League, and uh, we are going to preview a Wild Card Weekend. Very excited about the football games this weekend. But before we do that, I'm going to take a one minute timeout to let you guys know about some stuff, other stuff that's going on over at. Digital strategies, oh, Wiregrass Daily News, and all that good stuff. 96.9 The Legend is your connection to classic country legend. But Digio Strategies has other options too. News Talk 103.9 is your source for America's top news and entertainment shows like Rick and Bubba in the morning, Glenn Beck from 9 till 11 a.m. and Clay Travis and Buck Sexton middays from 11 a.m. till 2 p.m. Sean Hannity, Lars Larson, Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh and others fill your day with the latest news and views from America's top conservative voices. America at night and coast to coast am keep you company and connected throughout the night plus fox news the alabama radio network and wiregrass daily news keep you informed with national international state and local news and with more musical choices like all the hits 1067 kmx today's country 95.5 wtvy and music 1077 digio strategies gives you more choices and more variety listen on air online and on our apps 96.9 the legend is just a beginning everybody let's now transition over to nfl which nfl had some big coaching uh departures as well uh that, that's the last not just this week just the past few days that's all it's been bill belichick uh pete carroll even mike vrabel in tennessee of course we know the nick saban news uh as we have gone over the first half of this show today uh but joining me is a uh, matt barbeto you can check him out over at the fantasy pros and betting pros uh we are going to be going through and uh, previewing and slightly breaking down these uh, these playoff games coming up this weekend, Super Wild Card Weekend. And, uh, Matt, uh, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, Philip, thank you for having me. It has been an eventful week for sure, but we can uh, put the coaching carousel aside now. Thank you, Nick Saban, for your service. Enjoy your retirement. It's time for some games. It's time for games that actually mean something. So I, I'm so ready for this weekend. Yeah, you know, just I guess we all expected Bill Belichick, right? Right. That just that was kind of like, you know, the worst kept secret that him yeah. and the Patriots were going to part ways. The Pete Carroll one kind of caught me off guard. Did it catch you off guard? Not a ton. I, I don't really. I mean, yes, they made the playoffs last year, but this is the third year in a row where the Seahawks have kind of fallen off a cliff at the end of the year. 
And, you know, I think the Geno Smith experiment last year worked out and it was a wonderful surprise. But the fact of the matter is, despite all the personnel that team has, their defense is still pretty lousy. You know, the offense, it's just like, again, another unit with a ton of talent. You've got Ken Walker and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and they just they couldn't seem to put it together. Um, and I think just the way the year ended with Seattle losing that game to Pittsburgh in uh, week 17, I think that kind of had the writing on the wall for Carroll once uh, once they were eliminated. So, yeah, I, I think the game's maybe passed him by a little bit. Great culture guy, great, you know, CEO of a program, but I don't think X's and O's were ever his strength, and I think he was getting exposed once his personnel went down. Yeah, and he's an interesting guy because I mean, this is when also one of the best college football coaches too. Right. From what he did at USC, and then what he did see. I mean, he was so close. Just to think about how close he was to having two Super Bowls. Yeah. So, I mean, that would put yeah. him in it, it completely opposite uh, guys between him and Bill Belichick. With yeah. uh, uh, I, I would like to see just like those two have a joint practice together. Like they were coaching the same team. They're assistant. Head, they're like co-head coaches. I just would like to see Pete Carroll's rah rah attitude getting on bill belichick's Belichick, yeah i don't think that would mesh I'm, I'm trying to think back in the day maybe under like parcells they worked under each with each other because it seemed like everyone came from the parcells tree but I, I don't know if they ever overlapped but yeah that would be quite the uh quite the contrast in styles so uh looking at these games and i'll let the audience know we're going to go in order but or we are going in order but we're going we were my plan was asc first just kind of get that one out of the way and do the NFC, um, which I think the AFC is a little bit more compelling. I think uh, not as much as an overwhelming favorite, in my opinion. But uh, who would have thought uh, the first game, which it seems, man, I feel like any time the Texans are in the playoffs, they have the 330 yes. NBC game. Yes. It's just every single time. But the Browns with the Joe Flacco-led Cleveland Browns, at 11-6, we're playing the C.J. Stroud-led Texans at 10-7 this year. The Texans, the AFC South yep. champions because the Jaguars just tripped all over themselves. Yep. Um, Cleveland's two-point favorite here, though. The over-under is 44-and-a-half. Just w- what are your initial thoughts on this one? My initial thought when I saw this game was how do we have a playoff game featuring these teams? Just, <laughs> like, let's give them credit for everything they've overcome. I mean, the Texans go from – what a three win season last year to now winning the division in 10 games. And I mean, CJ Stroud is, is clearly the, the should, have, should have been the first quarterback off the board. And he's been fantastic. Um, and it's just an exceptional turnaround in a division that was more wide open than we thought. And then you've got Cleveland who is just, I mean, God, remember when they were starting Dorian Thompson Robinson against the, the Ravens in like week four, like, they have just uh, – Kevin Stefanski should get more votes for Coach of the Year. Mm-hmm. He won't win it. I'm sure it will be like Dan Campbell or some, or maybe um, Harbaugh. But, man, he should get some votes because what they've overcome with all of their injuries on defense, the Deshaun Watson fiasco. Well, I remember Nick Chubb, you know, that was, you know, a week two injury. Um, it, it's pretty incredible how we've got both these teams in a playoff um, game and a, and a rematch from Christmas Eve um, where the Browns kind of pounded – the Texans. That was the game where Amari Cooper had like 260 something mm-hmm. yards, just ridiculous. So I think you'll see Houston come into this game with a, a very concerted effort to contain Amari Cooper. Um, and, and it'll be curious to see how Joe Flacco, who again, just like Joe Flacco was in the playoffs in 2024, who is he going to spread the ball to? I think we'll see a lot of Njoku. Um, I don't think Cleveland's going to have a lot of success rushing the ball, but I do think they'll be able to expose Houston over the middle of the field with guys like Njoku and Elijah Moore out of the slot. Um, and, and while it's crazy to, to say this, I mean, I, I think I'm taking Joe Flacco on the road at 67 or whatever he is years old against the rookie head coach and rookie quarterback combo at home. Um, you know, CJ Stroud's had a tremendous season. Uh, deserve to be rookie of the year. I just think it ends against this Browns defense that'll benefit from the week of rest. Um, and I think, you know, while they haven't been good on the road this year, actually all of the Browns road games have gone over the point total, which is kind of weird um, for how dominant they are. You know, you perceive them to be, but I think you get a more locked in effort here from Jim Schwartz and his group. Um, and I just, I just question how good the Texans really are. Um, you know, I don't think they've really played the hardest schedule. They haven't really 
beaten a ton of great teams. Um, I think the Browns ultimately win this game. I think it's going to be a close one. I think it could be a high-scoring game, just given what we saw last time these two teams played. But, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy and we'll, we'll look back at this on uh, Saturday night and laugh. But I'm, I'm going with Flacco. I just think they're the more well-rounded team. Yeah, I was about to ask you which quarterback do you trust more—the rookie or the the chiseled veteran? But it sounds like it is the uh, uh, chiseled veteran Flacco. And look, Flacco now—he's played well, but he'll he'll give you some opportunities at some interceptions. Yeah. Uh, in the in his five games, which they're four and one in their last five, he has thrown a, a eight interceptions on the year, thirteen yeah. touchdowns. So uh, it's uh, I think he had a three interception game a few weeks ago, but they still won. Uh, and you're right. Their defense is awesome. The the best in the NFL, you know, yards per allowed per game and mm-hmm. the pass and Miles Garrett getting after quarterback. And I guess that's the kind of thing I worry about too with CJ Stroud, the pressure getting to him. One is the pressure of a playoff game. Yeah. And you're at home. And then number two, you've got Miles Garrett breathing down your neck. Yeah, it's it's a lot to ask for out of a rookie quarterback. But you know what? Stroud has defied the odds the whole way. You know, he was passed up for Bryce Young. He you know, led the Texans to the playoffs and probably maybe he's just that type of guy who just, mm-hmm. you know, as an underdog, he just he lives up to the underdog status. And uh, I think this will be a close game from like a pure betting perspective and like picking this game. It's really tough. Like, I'm, you know, I think this is as close to a coin toss as we have on this slate. Um, but yeah, I just I'll I'll take the better coach, I think, in Stefanski, too. And I just I don't love this Houston defense. I just I just don't. I think it's the worst unit in the game. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning with you, too. I want to go Cleveland. I want to see Flacco going into the run. I think it would be kind of fun, too. Maybe go to Baltimore in the divisional round. How about that? Well, it would be the first time to play at these playoffs. We have uh, a former quarterback going against his uh, team. We'll get to that one in a in a, in a, in a moment. Uh, then the game that will not be on regular television. This will be on uh, on Peacock, 7 o'clock on, on Saturday night. The six-seeded Miami Dolphins is wild. You go from being the two-seed to the six-seed uh, in one game. Uh, they will be playing the three-seed, the Chiefs, who are 11-6. Um, the Chiefs are a four-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under is 43-and-a-half. I don't think weather is going to be a good situation for either team. And the Dolphins are just beat up at receiver. Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill are both hurt. Devin A-Chain, I mean, he, he's hurt too as well. And Miami's one-in-five against playoff teams. Uh, their one win was against the Dallas Cowboys, which that was kind of one of them games that's kind of looking in the mirror. Miami and Dallas, kind of the kind of the same thing. And these two played each other in Frankfurt uh, back on the fifth of November. Uh, Kansas City won twenty-one fourteen. Was that twenty-one zero? Just uh, th- does this feel like to you? Just it's not going to be an easy win for Kansas City because nothing's really been easy for them this year. But a game that they they definitely should win. Yeah, given it's such a shame. I, I was so bummed when I saw Miami drew Kansas City because I, I was really even like a Cleveland, any of these wild card teams, I probably would have taken my chances with picking them over the Chiefs, just given the way they're playing right now. And and the fact is, I just don't think the Chiefs are that good. Mm. Um, but given God, I mean, Miami is just so banged up on the defense. Um, you know, and you mentioned Waddle and Mostert and Achain, who we've all missed time, but the defense is really, really banged up. I, I mean, they're down to like Bruce Irvin, who they just signed this week to play uh, edge edge rusher, outside linebacker. Like, they are just totally decimated. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I'll the Dolphins went to Buffalo last year with Skylar Thompson and lost by three in another terrible weather game. Um, so, you know, I think people who think Casey's going to go out and blow out this Dolphins team are are a little far-fetched in thinking that, but yeah, I just, uh, I think Mahomes and Kelsey are going to be enough against a shorthanded defense, um, to just, you know, squeak out a win. It's, it's kind of going to be an ugly game, I think too. I mean, it's kind of good. This one's on Peacock because I think you see Chiefs and Dolphins and you go, oh my God, it's going to be in the seventies, you know, points wise, but Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I just and the Dolphins' defense under Vic Fangio has been really scrappy. If they can just get their personnel a little healthier and you know just plug some holes with the injured guys, I think they'll be able to contain this Chiefs' offense because the whole the whole point to containing the Chiefs' offense is, is just taking away Travis Kelsey, covering the middle of the field, and go okay, Rashi Rice, okay, Marquez Valdez Scanling, okay, Canarius Tony, go beat us now. 
Will Andy Reid maybe revert to a more running game approach in the playoffs? I think that would be a smart move. I think Isaiah Pacheco is a heck of a running back who just doesn't get enough opportunity. But I think maybe if Kansas City is going to go on a run here, they they have to kind of change their identity um, and go to more of that run-oriented attack. And I'm not saying turn Patrick Mahomes into a game manager, but I think you need to let the run set up the pass here. And, and you got to throw another dimension into things when your weaponry is so shorthanded. Um, and the Chiefs have an excellent defense. I mean, they've been great all year. So I think you can ride that defense and your running game to a win over the Dolphins. Now, can they go to who would they play next? Um, well, potentially um, who would they play? Buffalo. Buffalo, potentially. yeah. Yeah, could they beat Buffalo on the road with, with that? I don't know. But I think they will do enough to beat Miami. Um, I think Miami keeps us close. And I think the game's gonna go under the total too, especially with this weather. I mean, two in the two in the cold is gonna be a sight. Yeah, and it, you know, you look, you talk about Chiefs defense, uh, getting out the quarterback, second in the league, fifty-seven sacks on the year. And I've this has been my knock on Tua since college. Obviously, saw most of his games. Uh, if he gets off his spot, if he's out of rhythm, he's not as good. He he's he's very um in a, in a way. Drew Brees, like I think Drew Brees could have yeah. been that way too as well. You get him out of his rhythm, he's not the same quarterback. And then again, the receivers, they're going to be playing. We know that, but they're, they're banged up. Waddle and Hill, they're, and they just can't use their speed in this situation. Right. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going Kansas City. It's just because I, I agree with you. I don't think it's a high, I don't think they blow them out because I don't think Kansas City can blow any of these teams. No. I, I don't think they could do it to Pittsburgh, which we'll talk about next, if they played them, if they were playing them instead of Buffalo playing them. But it's just kind of ride your defense, and I, I'm full agreement with you. Uh, so it should be interesting uh, on the Peacock. And how many times we see Taylor Swift? Uh, will we get yeah. a uh, Will we get a uh, Taylor Swift concert on Peacock coming in the future? Is that why no, they're doing no. this? But, you know what? <laughs> Anything is possible in this NFL season. I could <laughs> I could see. I, I am going to be paying attention. To the, I don't usually care about viewership for these games, but I want to see what the what the you know you're streaming an NFL playoff game on peacock i'm just i'm very curious to see how that'll be received yeah it'll, it'll be very interesting to, uh, to say the least uh now sunday the first game is also an afc game the seven seeded steelers get into the playoffs at 10 and 7 look say what you want to about this team uh they're not fun to watch just as from a fan standpoint but mike tomlin gets it done he, yep. I mean, he's a great coach and he proved it once again with three different quarterbacks this year uh, they'll be playing the uh, Buffalo Bills. Uh, I like to call that the topsy-turvy Jekyll and Hyde Buffalo Bills. Uh, they're 11-6. Like I said, 12 o'clock CBS. Buffalo's a 10-point favorite. I think that's the biggest line uh, in this playoff. Uh, <laughs> the over-under is 35-and-a-half. So I don't think people are expecting the Steelers to score a lot. Um, I, I'll just say this, and we probably won't spend as much time on this one. I have a feeling. Um, I think it just kind of, if, if Josh Allen doesn't turn the ball over, this should be – like I said, not easy. No NFL game is easy, but this should probably be the most comfortable game anybody could have this weekend. If Josh Allen is not, you know, throwing two in, uh, interceptions in the end zone in the first half, like he did last week against Miami. Yeah. Do you want a reason why this game could be really close? What's that? Have you looked at the weather report? Yeah, that that's the one thing. Yes. <laughs> I'll I'll, I'll give it to your listeners here because I know you guys will never experience where the, where you guys are. But we're actually getting we're getting it in Chicago tomorrow and into Saturday, and then I think it's traveling up to Buffalo. But here's what it says per AccuWeather: twenty four degrees. All right, not bad. It gets worse. Lake effect snow, additional six to ten inches, and then you've got winds, uh, twenty nine miles per hour with gusts up to forty four miles per hour. Um, if you are the Pittsburgh Steelers, you are hoping for the worst Mother Nature has possible because that I think the weather could be the ultimate equalizer in this game, especially with a team like the Buffalo Bills that they're so talented, but they just they just go into these little fits where they just make every mistake in the books. And I could just see Josh Allen slipping and falling in a pile of snow and the ball flipping from behind him. And, you know, who's yeah. even on the Pittsburgh Steelers defense? Minka Fitzpatrick running it back for a touchdown and the, the Steelers win 10 to seven. Like I, I'm just, that's what scares me. When this, when the lines came out for this game, initially I, I bet Buffalo right away um, at minus nine and a half thinking like, you know, it's time to get rid of the Steelers. And I just think Buffalo's going to roll them. But 
The weather could be something to really watch in this game um, because especially if you have high winds, that's going to take out the passing game for the most part. I mean, Allen's got a rocket arm, but, you know, if he's thrown into the teeth of 30-mile-per-hour winds, it's just going to be really hard to move the ball. Where I do think Buffalo will eventually kind of pull away is, well, one, we haven't even mentioned Mason Rudolph. I, I, I don't know how the Steelers score more than 10 points on their own without getting, like, set up with beautiful field position off turnovers. Um, and the other factor is I just think Buffalo, since they fired Ken Dorsey, and this is why I like them to make a potential Super Bowl run, they have gone to the ground game more. I think they're running at about 52% of the time now, as opposed to more like 41% when uh, Ken Dorsey was calling the plays. And now with Joe Brady, who was the, you know, you may remember him, the hotshot LSU coordinator who fizzled out in Carolina, they've gone to a more balanced attack. And I think that balance is what Josh Allen really needs. It kind of saves him from himself. Um, and Pittsburgh's run defense, especially without TJ Watt, is just terrible. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I think. Buffalo will be able to run the ball on them. Um, but yeah, yeah, it could be it could be close just because the weather's that bad and it just kind of throws a wrench into things. Um, but yes, if the Bills take care of the ball, which is a big if, they should win. Didn't know and once again it was the Texans, so I'm pretty sure it was a three thirty NBC game. What about one of his first playoff games? He had a, like a moment where he was running down the field and he just all of a sudden just flung it backwards for for he did. Yeah, I remember what, exactly the play. He, he was like, he saw a receiver, but he, I think he was getting hit or something and maybe got turned around and just like flipped it over his shoulder. It's just that. And that's the thing. It's like, I want to, I want to love the Bills, like as a better, as just a fan, but they just, they just go into these moments of just insanity. So are they the biggest threat to the Baltimore Ravens, in your opinion? I think so. From a talent perspective, I mean, you, you know, turnovers and everything being equal. I mean, you look at the AFC, I don't think the Chiefs are going to go on a run. You know, I don't really buy into any of the wild card teams making a run. Um, I don't think Houston's making a run. So, yeah, I, I think kind of by default, it's Buffalo and Baltimore. Those are the top two teams in the AFC. Um, you know, I just don't see Casey, Houston, Cleveland. Um, definitely not the Steelers, you know, going on any sort of run. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's going to be interesting, though, if the, the Chiefs do win this week, Patrick Mahomes will play his first ever road playoff games yeah. next week. So, which is crazy. It is. So, that's up in the NFC at uh, 3.30 on Fox, the first one. Uh, I will try to remain professional in this portion of the show. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, who just got into playoffs at the seven at nine and eight, uh, will be playing the Dallas Cowboys, number two seed, who are twelve and five this year. Like I said, three thirty on Fox. Cow- the Cowboys are a seven point favorite. The over under is fifteen and a half. The Packers have won nine of the last ten against Dallas. Of course, that was Aaron Rodgers. But that was not Jordan Love. This is his first crack at Dallas. It was kind of interesting. Brett Favre struggled against the Cowboys throughout his career. Aaron Rodgers pretty much owned them. So, Jordan Love, which side are you going to be on? Um, I'll tell you, in my opinion, this the Packers win or lose this, the season is success. No one oh, thought yeah. it was going to beat in the playoffs. With this young of a roster, the youngest team to ever make the playoffs. Jordan Love has been without Aaron Jones most of the year. Now, he's been back the last three weeks, 100 yards, all three. Christian Watson's been in and out of line at Romeo Dobbs, the offensive line. The defense hasn't been great at times. So this was a win. They could lose by 30. I think this season is a win for the Packers. Um, do you do you see uh, them having any chance in this game against Dallas? Oh yeah, come on! It's the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs. I mean, how can you not give Green Bay a chance? Honest, I mean, honestly, what what has Dallas done besides demolish? I think the Buccaneers last year on the road. This this current Dallas team, what have they done to earn our trust? I mean, really, like, and you made the comment about. Dallas being a mirror image of Miami, they, they seem to just always come up small. I, I, and I still think of that play where against the Dolphins, Tony Pollard was like about – he could have lunged into the end zone. He was right at the goal line, and he somehow turned his body around away from the goal line, got tackled short of the goal line, and then McCarthy calls like a fullback dive, and the guy coughs it up in Miami recovers. Like that is the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs. Um, now from a pure matchup perspective, yeah, I think – I think for as bad as Green Bay's defense has been, 
I think that sort of bend don't break Joe Barry style of defense could be very successful against a Cowboys offense that kind of relies on explosive plays from CD lamb. You know, they can't really run the ball well, and that's where the Packers are pretty weak. Um, and I just, you know, as good as the Cowboys defense is Jordan love has been just awesome too. Um, and that's with no weapons. I mean, it's crazy how many, it's been a revolving door at all the skill positions and uh, he's putting up a tremendous season. So I do think the Packers have a, a very good chance to pull off the upset of the weekend. Um, I took them plus the seven points for sure. Um, and I don't know if I'll go quite as far as as giving them the win just because I do have concern over that defense. But I I think the Packers give, it a, give McCarthy a little run, and how poetic would it be if the Packers end up upsetting Dallas at Jerry world and send Mike McCarthy to the unemployment line. Yeah, that, that'd be another thing. Uh, the Mike McCarthy, you know, we don't have the Aaron Rodgers part of this anymore. So no. it's just the Mike McCarthy. That's the one connecting tissue uh, of this because there's really no one left uh, in green Bay that Mike McCarthy coached uh, right. when he was, right. he was in green Bay. And I, I know, I guess it's just me. Just I have, a, and with Jair Alexander getting hurt in practice this week, going up against CD lamb. That's, a scary situation for the Packers because you need all hands on deck because no one's been able to guard CD Lamb all year. Uh, 135 catches over 1,700 yards, 12 touchdowns. So I just, I kind of worry that the moment might get too big for Green Bay because their first playoff game and this young of a team. But again, then again, you don't know what you don't know. So maybe they're just coming there and, you know, ignorance may be bliss this week. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, I'm going to go with Dallas. I think Dallas yeah. is going to win the game. Um, I, I could see it. I could see it being really close to SA because it's the Cowboys, or I could also see Dallas uh, blow out. It's, just, yeah. it's one of them things. Totally. I mean, and, and last thought is just, you know, we, we don't know what we don't know, but we do know Mike McCarthy and we do know Matt LaFleur, and I think I'll take him in the coaching matchup any day of the week. Even maybe not Joe Barry over Dan Quinn, but, you know, Dan Quinn in some of the this team's biggest moments against the best offenses hasn't put out the best game plans either. So I think this game is, is going to be competitive the whole way. Yeah. And I'll say one more thing on this yeah, as a guy that's been a Packer fan since the nineties, I've seen Favre and Rogers play. Everybody keeps comparing him to Rogers. I see more Favre out of Jordan Love. Just, I don't know. He's more risky and with the ball, which I actually like because, you know, John Aaron Rodgers was, I think, afraid to make a mistake in a playoff game. I don't think Jordan Love is that guy. He, that's what Brett Favre was. So, yeah. um, in 15 years, he'll be coming to your team, uh, the New York yeah. Jets. So. Yeah. And then a wax poetic about COVID vaccines. <laughs> uh, let's jump into, I think, you know, outside. Okay, everybody, y'all know I'm a Packers fan. So, But outside of that, I'm looking forward to the Sunday night game the most totally. the 10 and 7 rams at the 12 and 5 lions seven o'clock nbc the lions are a three-point favorite over under 51 and a half the biggest over under this weekend uh in the playoffs ed uh, who so is matthew stafford returning to detroit but you gotta look everybody's talking about that this is a revenge game for jared Goff. yeah sure is it sure is so how, what's what's in this matchup sticks out to you? Um, I'm gonna go ahead for you pick. I'm gonna call it. This is I'm gonna call an upset. I think the Rams are gonna beat the Lions. But uh, what what are your what are your thoughts on this one? This is our first. What do we got? We went into four games so far. This is our fourth game, and this is the first disagreement. I I'm taking the Lions, and I will explain why. Uh, well, obviously I'll explain why I'm on your show, but <laughs> <laughs> that was a dumb segue. But anyways, um. Look at the Rams' schedule, and you know you don't have to do this now. But your listeners, you know, just pull up the Rams' schedule and tell me who they've beaten. Um, it's a whole lot of nothing. Um, the wins include Seattle twice, Arizona twice, the Giants, um, the Saints. You know, they they have not. They have done a great job considering how bad they were last year. And I give Sean McVay full credit. Considering how bad things flamed out last year, they've done a wonderful job of making the playoffs. Kudos to them. You know, it was not easy to rebuild this roster that had just gone all in for a Super Bowl and felt the effects of that. But they went one and six against teams that made the playoffs this year. The Rams just did not do a very good job of punching up to superior competition. Now, that's again, that's 
not the only reason why I like the Lions. I think, you know, the Lions defense, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's a great unit. You know, I think it's hilarious that Aaron Glenn is getting head coaching interviews because this unit is really not that good. But they do two things well. They stop the run at a very good rate, and they are the best team in the league in terms of pressure rate. And the best way to beat Matthew Stafford is putting him under duress often um, because he's obviously not very mobile. And the same goes for Jared Goff, but the Rams have not been as good at generating pressure. And I think this is one of those games that gets decided in the trenches. You know, Aaron Donald's great, but the Lions have one of the better offensive lines in the league. And the Rams defense, they just don't have a ton of personnel around them, uh, around Donald, I should say. They're pretty inexperienced in the back end. So even without Sam Laporta, I think Goff is going to be the more comfortable quarterback in this game rather than Stafford, who I think will be constantly under duress. Um, And I think it's just going to be a crazy home crowd in Detroit. I'm not saying the Lions blow out the Rams by any stretch. I think it'll be a good game. But, you know, considering that Cooper Cup hasn't quite been right, you know, I think the – the Lions can take away the running game that sets everything up for McVay with his motions and his play actions. I, I, it's unconventional, Phil, because you're. I've heard many people who are liking the Rams, and I've seen a lot of people bet them at plus three and a half, um, and it's driven the line down to you know Detroit laying three points. But I'm going to go against the grain here a little bit. I'm I'm taking the Lions to protect at home. Um, and then who knows, you know, if, if the Packers do their job, we could get another rematch. Um, you know, it, it, it'll be interesting. But I, I like the Lions. Yeah, they were, they were a part of me. I was kind of hoping that the Rams would, would have lost. So then the, that you would have got the Packers going back to Detroit, where they've been proven they can win. Right. At, they did on Thanksgiving. But the Rams and the Lions, I mean, that, that's got to be the best storyline game of the weekend. It's not uh, Joe Flacco. Come on, no, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty awesome story. I mean, it, it, you, it's hard to imagine. You know, think back to when this trade happened. It really worked out for both sides. Like, it, it, it's about as good of a trade in terms of the end result as you could imagine. The Rams got their Super Bowl, and, and the Lions. Yeah, they endured a tough first year with golf, but they're on the rise now, and they they're you know hosting a playoff game for the first time in thirty years, which might be the equivalent of a Super Bowl for people in Detroit. So, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a home run for both sides. And, you know, obviously the Rams have won the Super Bowl from it. But, yeah, it'll be, a, it'll be another sort of way to pad the resume for one of these teams and who won that trade. Yeah, I remember when that trade went down. Everybody said, okay, Jared Goff will just be a stopgap quarterback for the Lions. He'll be there one year. They'll have probably a bad year. They'll draft a new quarterback. And then, look, this is his third year starting for him. So, right. yeah, it's worked out both. Um, do we – I don't know if we need to talk about the Eagles and Buccaneers because I'm not – I'm not 100% I am not excited about this one. This is what nope. – I am up here for the, the Lions and the Rams. I am down here for this one yep. because Eagles at 11-6, defending NFC champions, they are heading the wrong direction. One and four in their last five. They have not played well since that. Really, most of the year, they've won a lot of close games. And then last week, they this was a team that was trying to win last Sunday against the Giants and lost 27 to 10. They got embarrassed. Jalen Hurts is hurt uh, with his hand. I, I saw on Thursday he had not thrown any all week. The receivers are, are hurt. Or, or, this is a banged-up team. I mean, but Tampa Bay, I mean, they're not attractive either. Uh, they won nine to nothing against Carolina, but kudos to them winning the division, Baker Mayfield, you know, after Tom Brady, everybody, I think everybody had this team as last place in the South and they win the division. I mean, the saints were the favorite, but this team was looked at as dead. Like, I mean, there were people that had Carolina ahead of them. Uh, that's how bad people thought it was going to be. But uh, I think the Eagles probably win. They, they got the better roster. They should win. I don't feel, I'm not confident. They are a three point favorite, but uh, any, anything, entertaining or amusing or interesting about this matchup to you Matt. I, I think just the drama and the, the madness surrounding the eagles like you know kudos to tampa bay kudos to todd bowles kudos to baker mayfield I, I don't think this team is really any good i mean they were good enough to win the nfc south which gosh i mean what a mess of a division but yeah i just want to see if the eagles you know can flip the switch and reset for the playoffs or is this really too far gone and um, they are just totally out of sorts. And, and, you know, they complete the collapse with a 
would what would be a terrible loss to, you know, probably the easiest draw you could ask for for a wild card team. Um, yeah, this the God, everything's just a mess. I mean, Jalen Hurts has been terrible against the blitz. That's where Todd Bowles really specializes, and this defense can't stop anyone. And they thought, you know, going to Matt Patricia as defensive play caller was going to make a difference. I think it's made things worse. Um, you know, the Eagles have a lot of trouble in the secondary, so I could see Mike Evans and Godwin going off in this game. Yeah, I, I just don't trust Philly right now. I don't trust Nick Sirianni to commit to his running game. And I think that's where the Eagles have sort of fallen off. I, I think they've become too enamored with throwing the ball, and I don't think Jalen Hurts has been healthy all year. That's why his mobility and his rushing, other than the tush push, has been pretty limited. Um I'll take the Bucs just because I just feel like Philadelphia is broken. And you know what? The, the Bucks are at home, and I think they have enough playmakers on the outside to, to make the difference. But Baker Mayfield could throw four picks too. Yeah, that's, that's the thing about that one with Baker. You just don't know. Um, so this is a two-part question. Um, first off, can any of these teams knock off the 49ers? And uh, what do, who do you like in the Super Bowl? I think I think Dallas can, but Dallas has to get there. <laughs> and <laughs> even so, I mean, we saw Dallas sort of get demolished by the 49ers earlier in the year. I think if there was a team who could do it, maybe it's Dallas, maybe Detroit, just with like that Dan Campbell underdog mentality. But eventually I think they're going to get just sort of caught up with their bad secondary. Um but, you know, I, I think it's sort of a 49ers runaway. Um, I just think they are the top to bottom most talented team in the league. Um, and I think as long as Brock Purdy's playing fine football, they will go to the Super Bowl. And I think they will win the Super Bowl over the Buffalo Bills, who, I don't know, pick a name out of a hat in the AFC right now. Buffalo, Buffalo has just been that Jekyll and Hyde team. I think they've been playing playoff football for the last four or five weeks. Um, I think they just that, – that level of urgency, I think they carry into this game or into the playoffs in general. Um, and I think they have enough talent to beat Baltimore even at Baltimore. You know, we haven't seen Lamar Jackson do it yet in the playoffs either. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think the Bills have that talent up front if they were to play the Ravens to contain Jackson in his running game. Um, and, and I think they'll dare Jackson to beat them with his arm in a playoff high leverage situation. So I will go 49ers bills and I will take the 49ers. I think Kyle Shanahan finally gets his. All right. It's going to be, uh, that's be a big moment for them. Uh, that'd be a fun Super Bowl. Uh, it would be a great Super Bowl. Yeah. Josh Allen finally, uh, getting there. And then of course, 49ers being able to rectify those demons from a few years ago when they lost to Kansas city. But, uh, Matt, it's been a lot of fun. We've gone 34, 35 minutes, uh, going through these games. Uh, if the listeners and viewers want to check you out online, where can they find you and all the work you're doing? Yeah. So they can find me at fantasypros.com and bettingpros.com. Um, obviously fantasy football season is over, but it's always time to look ahead to 2024. Or if you're in Dynasty Leagues, we have great content there. Um, you'll see me more right now on the betting pro side where I am breaking down um, a lot of these playoff games. I'm doing game write-ups for um, pretty much half of the playoff games. We're splitting them up with another colleague. So you can find me on there. I'll be breaking down all the action. This week I broke down the Browns game, uh, the Bills game, and the Lions game. Jeez, I had to. Really think hard about that. It's been a long week. But yeah, fantasypros.com, bettingpros.com, and then on Twitter at Real Matt Barbado. And I'll tell people this yes, uh, I am in Alabama. And everybody said, well, we can't sports bet here. But uh, you get great information uh, from betting pros if you just want to get a deeper inside look at the games, what's going on with these teams. So go check out both fantasy pros. I know there are plenty of people. I know to play fantasy football. That's the key thing around here. But also the betting pro side, you can go over there. You can find out some great information on these games. But anyways, Matt, I appreciate uh, the time as always, and I look forward to doing this again sometime down the road. Philip, I hope we do our annual Super Bowl preview again where I get the result dead wrong. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, thank you for having me as always throughout the season. All right. And uh, AJ Spur asked Matt Barbado. And just real quickly, if you want to know who I am picking, I'm going chalk. I think it's going to be Ravens versus 49ers. I think the top two teams on both sides are going to be the ones to get there. 
And I'm gonna go with Matt Pick here. I'm gonna think I think the 49ers will get it done. Uh yes, I know they lost to the Ravens in the season. I think they learned some things there and they'll take it there playoffs. But it's gonna be fun starting off on Saturday. And that's gonna do it for this edition of the Philip Jordan show. Yes, a lot longer than what we normally do. It's really two episodes in one. Um originally the show was just gonna be me and Matt, but with the Nick Saban um retirement story had to talk about that too so i hope you uh enjoy the, you enjoy those conversations and uh, we'll be back next week uh, i got some pretty cool guests lined up uh i guess i can go ahead and uh tell you uh so we're going to continue as we did last week when aj spur come on then uh recapping and kind of just talking about these uh, sec and college football teams uh, we'll get into arkansas next week uh, we will talk more Alabama stuff. Uh, Bill Bender from the Sporting News is going to be coming on the show next week. Uh, I also, uh, Blake Lovell from Southeastern 14 and Established the Past podcast. We will kind of do a little Alabama Auburn basketball. We'll do some NFL playoff wildcard recap uh, with Blake. Um, got Colin Lacey, Westwood One. Uh, he will be at the Buccaneers and Eagles game this Monday night, and uh, he will be on to talk about it. Connor Goodson uh, covers Arkansas. That's where we'll be jumping in with that. So we've got some cool guests coming up, lined up for next week. I hope you guys will, will stay tuned. Please subscribe to the podcast. Anyways, I hope everybody has a great weekend, and we'll see you on Monday or next week if Alabama has a new head football coach. You've been listening to and watching the Phil Jordan Show on Wiregrass Daily News Sports.